0: I what's love hearing up? that. what's up, you know? What's up bro how you doing? Give a little shout out to our boys, Lonka. I think they're back on tour right now, and we got a we got a fun. we got a super fun. bless you, by the way. we got a super fun uh guy on here today. really fun. I had a pleasure of being on his podcast. A lot of fun, but something that I've admired about this guy is he's you know when it comes to like entrepreneurship and brand building. And if you guys don't know by now, just by seeing the label on your on your iTunes or your Spotify or your YouTube, we're talking about Ryan Pineda today. <clears throat> Something I admire about this guy <clears throat> is he's bigger than real estate, man. Mm-hmm. You, you and I, Eli, we've been in real estate for a while now, and we've been building our brand, and we've got our podcast. We just hit our millionth download, which is cool, you know, kind of a cool milestone. And But as we've been watching Ryan from early on, it just seems like, man, he's a brand. So it doesn't matter what he really gets into you know, like, he's a brand. And in, in real estate, we see a lot, right? So whether it's at EXP with where we're at or other industries, whatever it may be, people tend to be, like, famous within their their industry. Yeah, does yeah. that make sense? Uh-huh. Like, not yep. shitting on anybody, yep. but just you see that. Very rarely do you see guys transcend out of a specific lane, mm-hmm. like real estate mm-hmm. or, or something like that. And I think Ryan does a great job at it. I think that's the testament to who can really speak to brand. And it's fun, man. And we're, we're having him on the show today, so you guys are going to hear plenty from Ryan. But before we get to that... I saw him bobbing his head a little bit, and I'm like, oh, he likes country rap. <laughs> he, and I, and I got to give a shout out, right? Because Long Cut, I was in the Marine Corps uh, with, with JT, <clears throat> one of the lead rappers for that, for that band, and he does a great job. But I'm always curious when, I, when we get that little vibe going into the intro music, Yeah. if I see like our guest just kind of like It's hard not group, to, man. I'm like, man, I know people like Kill Billy yeah, shit out it's there. Hard, you know? It's hard like, not to. What, what do you think, Ryan? Not too bad?
1: No, it's good, man. That's a good, good intro, man. I got to get a better intro now. <laughs> they can make you one. We got you. We, we got can look it up, man.
0: There's a small, I think, what's a, it's like a $250,000 referral fee. Or, <laughs> something like that. Something like something that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Something we, like that. We'll, but, we'll get a discount code. <sighs> no, man, but getting right into it, Ryan, super appreciate, first and foremost, man, you um allowing me to be on your podcast and share some of my story and some of our successes. And, you know, I kind of compare it to like when I was on, when we were on the uh, Andy Frisella show. You guys don't have to do things like that for, for guys that are up and coming, regardless of whether we're we're doing a great job or not. You know, like when we get behind the scenes at Andy Frisella's, uh, we'll call it a planet because it's fucking huge. Or we're behind the scenes with what you're doing, Ryan, and just being able to come out there and just see everything you're doing in, the in in addition to the podcast. It becomes very clear, you know, you don't have to necessarily have anybody on, right? So the fact that you, you know, you said yes, allowed me to tell my story, allowed a relationship to to kind of come into fruition, First and foremost, man, super appreciate that. The second thank you is you um saying yes to being on our podcast and sharing some of that. And um, man, just I really want to just thank you for that.
1: Yeah, dude, no problem, man. It was a uh, it was a good show we filmed and I'm excited. I think the people are gonna like it, man.
0: I think so too, man. It was it was a lot of fun and we dove into some content. But getting right into our podcast, man, I know you're limited on time. I've heard some of your baseball story, I've heard some of that transition, and man, I'm so um I'm so connected a little bit. To your story, not just because both of us were, were baseball guys, but the more and more I've gotten back into like the civilian community and you're meeting athletes and different stuff, the more and more you start realizing the correlation to like military folks and our transition out of the military and then establishing, like, you know, re, I guess reestablishing yourself, right, into society. And you're trying to take these skill sets you have from one thing and put, put him to another, you're great at middle infield and hitting a ball. And then in the military, you're really good at pulling trigger. Neither one of those really correlate to, like, skill sets in business, but there is a lot that goes into it behind the scenes in baseball, behind the scenes in what makes somebody great at the military. It's just whether you can bridge the gap and bring that into, like, the entrepreneur world. So I get super connected when you talk about baseball, but getting into it, man, with, like, your start, your literal day one dollar zero was it when you were transitioning out of baseball into entrepreneurship or was there anything prior to that that happened that you would consider not necessarily a rock bottom but just like a start
1: yeah I mean I I grew up just wanting to play baseball my entire life right and I accomplished it kind of every step of the way as I was growing up you know I got a d1 scholarship I became an all-american I got drafted and everything's going to plan. And then after my third year with the Oakland A's, I got released. And so, you know, I was 23, 24 years old, just like trying to figure out what to do with my life because I felt like baseball was over at that point. Um, And, you know, thankfully I was was lucky enough to play five more seasons um, in independent baseball. But, you know, it was during that time I was like, man, okay, this baseball thing probably – isn't gonna work out. Even though I might keep trying, I need to actually plan for some other stuff. And so, um, you know, my day one dollar zero would have been flipping couches. You know, I, at the end of the day, well, I don't know when you wanna start, you know, (laughs) the actual journey, but I became a realtor in 2010 and I definitely had zero dollars, but I also didn't really make any money. So I was still at like zero dollars being a realtor. And I hated that, did that for a few years. Uh, started doing substitute teaching, making a hundred bucks a day. Um, hated that. It was just kind of to pay the bills and get by. And the first like breakthrough I ever had financially was when I started flipping couches and that, that happened in 2014 ish. That was when I first started. And you know, I I went from making a thousand bucks a month to 2000 a month, to eventually 8,000 bucks a month. And to me, that was just crazy money like I I was like, wow, you know you go from making 1200 bucks a month in the minor leagues to go making eight thousand dollars a month flipping couches uh you feel rich and it wasn't hard. it was a very simple thing. nobody was doing it um and I just got really good at the business and so I think it was from there that I just realized that hey even after baseball, I'm gonna end up making money my own way somehow. It may be super unconventional, but I'm definitely not getting a job. And I didn't realize like that I was an entrepreneur during this time. I mean, I just was a baseball player. I, I became an entrepreneur out of just, I had no choice. It was like for me to continue playing baseball, I had to go make money on the side and nobody was going to go hire me for a few months out of the year while I go leave and play baseball. So I became an entrepreneur out of necessity, but even looking back at it now, even if it wasn't out of necessity, I realized I would have never been able to get a job. Like I just, I'm not cut out for it. So yeah, man, the the start was through flipping couches.
0: I feel like that's so similar to Eli. <clears throat> you kind of have a blend of like me and Eli together. Cause I feel like Eli was the born entrepreneur, right? Homeschooled, smoked <laughs> weed, got a D minus no, from his own mom no, by no. from grades. No, 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 true, true story. True story. <laughs> and, Did every entrepreneur thing you could think of like, and he's also, man, he's just got a great skill set for it. But I feel similar in a sense to you of like, I didn't consider myself an entrepreneur for a long time. I don't even know if I still, I guess now I I consider myself, but it was like venturing into something. I was so focused on the craft and just trying to be a practitioner at it Mm -hmm. that I was making these pivots that people would label entrepreneurship. I was just figuring it the fuck out. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't know real estate, but I knew a certain level of work ethic, right? Now, I wonder, like, that's kind of like my question to you is, you know, when you're flipping couches, where the where the hell did that idea come from, right? Like, did your wife throw you out because she was tired of your shit and you, you're on the <laughs> couch and then you're broke. So you're like, well, I guess I'll sell this couch. She left me and it made a profit and you figured out, I don't know. But like, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm so curious about, man, is there anything about paying attention to the details, work ethic, pivots? Like, was there anything from behind the scenes in baseball, how we mentally see it, how we visualize things, the work that goes behind being at that level. Was there anything that subconsciously just converted to your entrepreneurship and you just, it was more powerful than maybe you thought in the beginning?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, as far as how I got into flipping couches, it was, you know, me and my wife, we had just got married and, um, you know, we were broke and I'm supposed to be the provider for the family. Right. and I'm just kind of looking at our apartment, which I had just furnished for like $1,000 off, you know, Craigslist, all used furniture. And I just remember there like looking at it after like a couple of months of substitute teaching and hating it and saying, dude, I bet you I could sell all this stuff right now for $3,000. And I was like that, you know, it took me like a few days to furnish this apartment and it would, it would make, it would take me a whole month to make $2,000 substitute teaching. I was like, what if I just try and find good deals on furniture and flip it? People always need furniture. right? And so I just tested the theory. I just bought a couch and put it in the, the apartment. And my wife was like, why'd you buy another couch? And I was like, ah, I just trust me. I'm t- I'm tr- I'm going to try something. And you know, I ended up buying this couch and I flipped it and I made 200 bucks like very quickly within a couple of days. I was like, okay, dude, what if I just bought Ten of these a week, you know. Ten of these a month. If I bought ten couches a month, I'm making two thousand dollars, right? So, um, that's kind of like how my mind was thinking. And within like instant proof of concept of like selling the first one, I was bought in. I was like, all right, I'm buying a truck, I'm getting a storage unit, and we're doing this. So I went in and bought a truck for fifteen hundred bucks on Craigslist, and I ended up renting a storage unit for like a hundred bucks next door, and that was like I was in. And so for me if you ask like, how did baseball play into that first success? Um, the first thing I think about is like, number one, you can't have fear, right? In in sports, if you have any kind of fear, you're toast, right? Your competition's going to step on your throat and you're done. Um, so I was just like, this is going to work out. And if it doesn't, then I'm gonna figure out how to make it work or I'm gonna try something different. Okay. Um, two was just putting in the work where others would not Right. So I was like, all right, well, The the whole point of how you get a good deal is just making a lot of offers. You know, how often am I willing to look through the app? At the time, we didn't have like bots and all these things that people have today. I was just manually on Craigslist all day, just searching sectional couches every hour on the hour. And if somebody posted something that hour, I was shooting them a text and I was like, hey, I can give you a hundred bucks for it. I'll pick it up right now. And you wouldn't believe how many people would be like, yeah. That's cool. You know, they got a list them for 500 bucks because they want it gone right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would just be sitting at home doing nothing because that was my job. And I would just, you know, text them. They say, yes, I'd get in my truck, go pick it up, drop it off at the unit, you know, get, get some pictures of it, relist it for 500. And then, you know, go home and wait for somebody to text me. Uh, to go sell or, you know, to go buy it from me. Yeah. And in that meantime, I was always looking for another deal. And so like, that was what my day to day was like for, you know, probably a year when I was flipping couches on my own. But it's like, you know, how many people are willing to put in that kind of work um, and try a crazy idea that nobody like told you would work? You know, it's not like house flipping where it's like, yeah, dude, house flipping makes people money. Everyone knows that, you know? Yeah, dude. You can go and become a realtor and, and they can make money. No one's saying it's easy, but like it's proven. Couch flipping was not proven. There was no market or industry or like <laughs> anybody saying this is a thing. Right. Um so I had to go on complete faith that it was going to work out. Oh my gosh. I
0: I got a couple questions for you. First one though, <clears throat> what was your like worst couch did you, did you ever have any like bad bias? Was there any like bait and switches or like you show up and it's just soggy wet or something? Like was what was your worst couch yeah. purchase?
1: You know, very rarely did I renegotiate because I would ask him, I'd be like, is there anything wrong with it that I need to know about? And most part, people would be honest. They'd be like, yeah, this thing's messed up. There's a tear here or whatever. And I'd be like, all right, that's cool. You know, I wouldn't go there trying to go beat them up on price. Right. Like, uh, hey, we agreed. Cool. Let's do it. Um, but yeah, there were a few occasions where it was not as described. Um, you know, did I get left uh, with any bad couches for sure? Uh, you know, I had uh, a couple with bed bugs, so that was a disaster. Um, I had some that I thought were really nice couches and then, you know, you go and try and sell them and no one wants them. And so you start learning what kind of couches people want, you know? Uh, I realized very quickly people did not like white couches. I was like, dude, white couches, they're cool. Like a white leather couch, that's cool to me. But no, people just don't buy them on Craigslist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I realized like the crappiest ones uh, that are just like the most generic brown couches sell the best. Everybody's mm-hmm. wants it. They're like, oh yeah, that's a good couch. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, dude, this is crazy that people just want the crappy stuff and they don't want the good stuff. And, but just like
0: diving into that though. Uh, right. Cause like analytically, like that's a baseball thing. We, we're numbers. We're number guys to an extent. Right. And like being able to pay attention like that and leave your opinion out of it and just really look at analytically what you're selling quicker than others, what's getting top dollar. And then just taking your feel out of it and just finding and tripling down that. On, on that type of couch to make more money.
1: Exactly. And you know, I quickly learned to that recliners were no good because trying to go carry those things was not worth the headache. And people don't even want recliners. Like even today, like yeah, how many people buy a recliner cat? Like it just it's rare today. They're not
0: a so like they're too tall. They're not aesthetically pleasing. Like I think everyone's a little bit more modern per se.
1: Yeah exactly. And so I, I made that mistake. Like I, I worked so hard to go get this cow. I'm like, dude, I got this huge recliner for like 50 bucks. This is going to make me like 500. This is gonna be sick. And then sure enough, like no one wanted it. And I sold it for like a hundred and it was so much work carrying it both ways. And, um, oh and, and I was like, never again, I don't buy recliners.
0: It's funny though. Cause like you're, you're at your house looking at your own furniture that you bought and he's like, I bet I could sell this shit for three thousand. It feels like you had a hold my beer startup, right? Yeah. Like you know what I mean, like a hold my yeah. beer
1: startup. One question I do have for you before we let we let Eli kind of hey ch- yep. And I'll, I'll let me say this too. You know, speaking of that, every pretty much every business and thing I've done has been that way. Yeah. Right. Like um, you know, with with house flipping, I'm like, dude, I could flip houses. I Fuck know how it. to find deals. <laughs> right. Like I'm maxing out my credit cards and I'm doing it. And so I did it. Right. And then as, you know, with social media, I was like, dude, if these freaking guys can get famous on social media, it ain't that hard. And so I just go and do it. And, you know, even like with crazy ideas, you know, if I, the, the golf with Ryan idea, you know, I had this idea, uh, like a year and a half ago and I was just golfing and I'm, I'm golfing with my own employees and stuff. And I'm thinking, yeah, you know, it's cool. Like it's building company culture, but I don't need to golf with these guys every week you know, like once a month or once a quarter is like probably enough. Cause if I'm bringing these guys every week, they're not working. And like, I'm not learning anything new from these guys. It's just hanging out. And I started to think, I was like, dude, you know, if I could go golf with my favorite influencer or business person or someone I looked up to, I would pay a lot of money to do it. I'm just thinking in my head, like, dude, you know, if Grant Cardone had this thing where I could go golf with him, I'd go pay it. And like, we'd go to go spend four hours on the course and, and have lunch. I'd be like, dude, I'd pay thousands for that. Like lots of money. And I was like, people would probably do that with me. And all of a sudden, and it wasn't like, man, dude, I'm like the best guy ever to golf with. It was like, I bet you there's a demand for it. I'm gonna just test it. And so I just put out an Instagram story and I was like, Hey, here's the deal. If you want to golf with me, it's 2,500 bucks, f- full round four hours. We're going to have lunch. It's going to, you know, you, you pay 2,500, somebody else pays 2,500. And you know, it's just going to be the two of you and me and someone from my team. That'll be the foursome.
0: And it's awesome. um, Like you get to talk, they get to talk to you for four hours. They get to ask questions. If there's enough rapport or enough solidity, they're like, you might even start doing business with them for all they know. Like you just, you just never know from that relationship.
1: I've done so many deals with people who have golf with me. It's crazy. But anyways, I put it out there and I was like, I don't know what the demand is. I don't know how many people actually golf and, you know, but let's find out. Well, dude, the first day, one IG story, we sold 20 of them. Wow, I was like, wow. golly, like there's a huge demand for this. I'm going to be, I'm booked for the next four months. Wow! And <laughs> I had to raise the price because I was like, I couldn't even golf with everyone if I wanted to. Right. And, you know, sure enough, I've been doing it now for like a year and a half is like my side hustle so I call myself a professional golfer now because I get paid to golf. And, <laughs> That's such a know, baseball it's, thing. And it's probably made like I don't know, at this point over three hundred thousand dollars. Um, in just like golf fees. But I, I feel yeah, and I feel like
0: you work smart, right? Like you know, and this I want your opinion on this as well. A lot of people talk about hey, work harder, not you know, or work smarter, not harder. Okay, then other people say no, 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 no. Work smarter and harder, right? And it's like, hey, yeah, that's that's romantic. And I've kind of been on, on, a, on a kick a little bit of like, you've got to work hard before you can work smart. As in, you got to go work hard and throw shit against the wall to see what sticks, right? And then once you see what sticks, then you can really start being intentional and smart about what you're doing, right? And I feel like between Eli and everybody you know, that's heard our story as far as our, start, our startup and how we created our real estate brand, Mile High Property Brothers, and what we're doing now You know, now that we can see the lanes that we have a ton of progress, now that we can see the details, we're able to really be smart about some stuff, right? And I feel like this thing that you're talking about right now, some people could take that as an ego thing. Oh, who would want to golf with me? I see it as a very smart thing. You're looking at time a certain way. You're looking at how to give value. A certain way and you're really starting to squeeze the sponge on not just nine to five but just every little detail that you have you could probably sell driving to work and driving home from work for <laughs> a thousand bucks for a 30-minute car ride with you right And you're knocking out a 30-minute meeting while you're in traffic and you know it just I kind of feel like you're just maximizing the time that you have and it's super smart but what's fun is like you've talked about all the hard work before you started doing things like this.
1: Yeah. No, a thousand percent. You got to put in hard work um, in order to achieve anything great. But yeah, to exactly your point, right? People wanted one-on-one calls and all these things. And I was like, I don't want to do them. Right. Because I I don't really need to. And I value my time and all the other things I'm doing and building. And I don't want to work all these hours. Right. Like I would rather go golf and make zero. Right. And then do these. And sure enough, I'm like, well, actually, I could do both. Like if they just come with me. It's not like it's changing my day at all. I'm going to go do this anyway. Why not go meet someone cool and get paid to do it? And guess what happens? Like I I've hired at least I've hired or partnered with at least like five different people that have golf with me, um, to the tune of like, it's going to make millions. Wow. Like it's not even the, the golf with me fee was irrelevant. And the the other good thing is by having that kind of a barrier to entry, you know that the person golfing with you is very qualified. They're, they're definitely not gu- qualified for golf because the majority of them suck at <laughs> golf. <laughs> but they are qualified in doing whatever business and, and why they came. right? You don't mm-hmm. pay $5,000, $10,000 like for nothing. Mm-hmm. You're qualifying yourself. 100%.
0: And I feel like that was the first question I asked. Like when your guy was talking to me around the podcast, he was like, hey, do you golf? <clears throat> and I was like, conditionally, Why? And he's like, ah, hey, Ryan does a thing, and I was like, well, does Ryan, does Ryan want people to be good at that, or, or like, can I, could I carry his fucking bag or drive the car? He's like, well, yeah, Ryan still likes to, Ryan still likes to like still play golf, and I was like, yeah, bro, I'm I'm not your guy. I might be your guy one day, or maybe now that Ryan's good at making money, now we'll see how good he is at making me a fucking golfer. I don't know. I still have the baseball swing, bro. Like I'm either foul ball from the right side of the batter's box. I'm either going to foul ball into far right field, or I'm going to pull it down the third baseline for a solid double outside of that. I'm not your golf
1: guy. That's funny, dude. Yeah. Most guys aren't, Yeah, but you know, we still have fun on the course, even if you suck.
0: Good. I, I mean, I can drink if you know, like a lot of water. I can't really drink alcohol. And I know Eli wants to get into it. I, I love hearing some of your story too, man, because Eli is the <clears throat> figure it out, put things on, on credit cards, I mean, this guy flies way lower than the radar with risk. Like, on the surface, people think I'm the brave guy, right? Like, you're a Marine. You're a police officer, right? Like, there's some some cool things. I've been involved with that, and people might think that I just got, like, all the balls. No balls, bro. (laughs) When it comes to, like, putting stuff on credit cards and, like, really maximizing, like, Eli's always had the stomach for that. That's why I always... Give him credit for being the true entrepreneur. But last question for me that I got for you before we kind of like just figure out your mindset on how you still approach, you know, every day. Is there any was there any superstition you had in baseball that you just couldn't like you couldn't break? You had to do like, were you a Nomar Garcia Park kind of guy? And then if you yeah. did, do you have any superstitions? And Eli, just to give you some context baseball dudes are super I like imagine. superstitious yeah, right yep, so yep. and I, I know ryan i know you remember no garcia parra man he was probably one of the most obvious ones Just that like, there was the, the cleats the gloves was there any um yep did
1: you do any of that in baseball and is there anything superstitious wise that you have in business um, um on the baseball side of things i didn't do it i didn't have any like weird ticks like that but um i always kept the same routine so like one of the things that uh, I guess was kind of different about my routine is like, dude, and I still am this way today. I take multiple showers every day. I just love taking showers. And so, you know, uh, during a baseball typical day uh, at the park, right. I would go wake up, shower in the morning. I've done that my whole life. Um, You know, I'd get to the, the park. I would go take batting practice and then, you know, I'd shower after batting practice before the game. Cause like I wanted to be fresh for the game and then, you know, you play the game, then you shower again after the game. And so, you know, I was showering three times a day, um, during those games. And like, for me, I, I'm weird like that, where I like to shower before I work out. Like, that's mm-hmm. what I do every morning today. I shower, I work out, then I shower again, mm-hmm. like before a baseball game, I want to shower before the game, even though I know I'm about to get nasty and dirty. Cause like, it just makes me feel refreshed. And so you know, I guess I kind of still do that in business today, right? Like, I know that I got to go out and perform if I'm going to go film content or do a meeting or whatever the case is, and so I want to feel my best, and so I want to work out, I want to look good, I want to feel good, and that's basically it. Yeah. Was there anything about the uniform, like
0: putting on the uniform? Like, I, I know, like for a little while, out, you know, I, I kind of correlated some mental things for that, like with police work, right? Of like putting on my vest. And, you know, I just kind of like mentally prepared. Was there anything like that in baseball was putting on your uniform? You know, was that something that did something for you mentally as well? And then like, are you missing that in entrepreneurship? Is there any tick there as far as like clothing or how do you start mentally transitioning into your day?
1: Yeah. you know, putting on the uniform, it's fun. I mean, I got my jerseys all over my office. And so, you know, I, I see them every day. Um, and you know, with all my businesses, we have our uniforms, right? Like people are always wearing the company swag and logos and gears, so that's really, really cool. Um, and it kind of unites everyone. Like it does bring me a lot of uh, satisfaction when I see people wearing our stuff because we don't yeah. require people to do it. Right. Nobody has to wear anything, um, but you know, the fact that they want to wear it because they they love what it represents and they love that it's actually like a good piece of you know fashion is a lot of it's really cool. So yeah. um yeah, I think my my uniform these days is man it's always changing. I actually um I signed my first clothing deal uh recently. Mm. And so that's about to launch um with a company called Scene S E N E. So like uh, if you go to scenestudio.com it's a like it's a brand that I was already wearing and yeah, I was a cool. big fan of. If you guys have ever seen me wear like my striped um arm Mm -hmm. like like jacket leisure type of stuff. The only people cool enough to wear that is Michael Jackson and fucking Ryan Panetta. That's it. (laughs) That's right. Yep. That's right. So um I've been wearing their stuff anyway at my events and different things. And they're like, dude, what if we made like a Panata collection? And I'd be like, that would be dope. Wow. And they're like, all right. So I've been having input on the collection and colors and different things. And we're gonna go run this uh, it's gonna be like a half a million dollar marketing campaign. Um, behind it. And so it's going to be, uh, I mean, number one, I just love the product anyway, but number two, it's going to be a ton of great exposure to a whole new demographic of people. Mm-hmm. Like these are fashion people. Do you, so, uh, do you guys cater to the double X? Uh, we can get the double X dude. So like the, the whole premise of scene is that they can fit you without having to go get a tailor. So oh. like, I kid you not, you like you go through their process and they'll send you a suit and it's already fitted the way you want it. Oh, nice! It's crazy. I've yeah. never seen suits yeah. like that. Yeah, that's super cool. Right? Really cool, man. Yeah. Like,
0: um, Ryan, I'm curious, real quick, man. You made a comment um earlier about how in regarding social media, you're like, man, if that freaking guy can do it, if these guys can get famous on social, I can do it. What did that look like for you making that decision? What What was your following like before? What was your content like before? And then what was
1: that path of Hey, I'm just a normal dude on Instagram to what you've built today. Yeah, so you know, I always believed in social media. It wasn't like I was like, oh man, this is like the next big thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I had been on Facebook since like 20. Well, I got a Facebook when I was in college, but you know, I started like using it for business around 2016 Mm -hmm. and I just started showing people what I was doing flipping houses. Like I was in my second year flipping, I'm like, hey here's a house we just flipped. Here's before and afters. And we made this much money. And hey, if you want to do deals, hit me up. Right. If you want to invest with me, hit me up. If you want to send me a deal, I'll buy it. Right. And it got me lots of deals, you know, it made me hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I was like, dude, the social media thing's great. Mm. You know, and at, at the time I, there was like video wasn't a big deal in 2016. So I was just writing Facebook post, you know, mm-hmm. and then I got an Instagram in like 2018 or something. And I was like, all right, this thing's kind of cool, but Facebook makes me way more money than Instagram, you know? And, you know, I, I was just kind of like going down that path for a couple of years, just not taking it serious, but doing enough that it was still more than everyone else. Like sure. it was like, <laughs> cause people do zero. yeah. So people knew who I was on social media. And even though I was like, I maybe had... 5,000 Instagram followers, um, at least locally people knew who I was, which was all that mattered to me because I was just trying to get local business. Um, well, you know, in 2020, when the pandemic hit, I started looking at everything and I'm like, dude, what's about to happen? To all these businesses, are they getting shut down or what's going to happen with my house flips? Like, what am I going to do with all this free time? I can't even go outside. It's ridiculous. And, you know, I just was looking at the landscape of the world and I started to think, Right. This is what I've always done in my entrepreneurial career. I I look at what's happening right now in front of me, and I think, "What are the opportunities?" Mm -hmm. And that's what I did with couch flipping. So I did with house flipping. And you know, in the pandemic, I looked at the world and I was like, "Dude, everybody is about to be like locked (coughs) up, and they're going to be on their phones twenty four seven trying to figure out what to do." Mm -hmm. I was like, "Why don't I just be the guy on their phone?" And so. You know, I start watching these videos about social media and how to like actually take it serious and create a real business around it. And I ended up seeing these other influencers in the real estate space who are now my friends. And I'm like, the people are like, these are the biggest guys, and so they got millions of followers and subscribers. And I start watching their content, and they start doing videos about how much they make just from social media. They're like, yeah. And you know, I make two two hundred thousand dollars a month and just YouTube ad revenue and mm. you know sponsors and stuff. And I'm like, you make two hundred thousand dollars a month making videos? You don't even have a business. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um I, I was like, dude, <laughs> I, I'm over here. I got fifty flips going on right now in yes. Vegas. Like yep. I know how to run an operation that's way harder than making a, a video. And so uh, I played pro baseball, which was way (laughs) hard. I played pro baseball at $1,200 a month, which is way harder than making a video. And so my perception of things in reality is just so skewed where I'm just like, dude, this is easy, even though it's not. It's definitely not. But it it was easy compared to things I'd already done successfully. It was just about learning, right? Like just
0: finding the details, navigating certain pivots, and then just putting the work in and becoming successful there. And do you feel like, you know, if they're like <clears throat> people that are new, people that aren't quite as big on social media, is it too late for them? Do you think? Do you hear some of that sometimes?
1: Nah, and, yeah, I hear it, but no, it's wrong. If you're, yeah, I, I still, feel like if you're good, you're going to rise. People go viral every month. Agreed. Same, just say same thing like in real estate,
0: right? Like I remember when I was getting my license, and people are like, "Ah, there's there's sixty thousand realtors in Colorado, Will," and it's like, "Hey, man, how many of them are inactive? How many of them are actually trying?" Like, I, if you're great, like cream rises to the top per se, right? So same thing I feel like in social media, right? Like, first of all, it's unlimited. There's no limit to how many people can be on there. And if you're good enough and create enough noise, you know, you'll be there. And as you were getting onto social media and crushing that, like, is there still a competitive side to you from professional sports to entrepreneurship, right? Like for me, like Eli laughs at me sometimes because Eli is like the nicest dude I know. And he laughs at my competitive side, like. I'll ask him something. I'll be like, man, yeah. you know, I'll say things like, man, they're sleeping on us, bro. There's just some guys out there that are winning, but they're sleeping. We're coming. And he's like, hey, man, I don't I don't think they're sleeping on us. Like, I think they like us. I think they they see us, man. Like, they fucking message you on Instagram. I'm like, no. No, no, no. They message me like I'm their little brother. No, fuck that. <laughs> like the Michael Jordan shit in my brain. And I'll never tear anyone down. I'm not in the business of making someone look bad. Just like Gary Vee says, right? Like, he wants to be the tallest building in the city. He's just not going to tear anybody down to do that. He just wants to be the tallest, but do you have any competitive edge of just neurotically wanting to be the best man over everybody? Like, Hey, you're friends with everybody. We're not, but man, I'm coming for your fucking throat.
1: Pretty much. That's kind of my mindset. Um, To maybe like a a smaller degree. You know, when I was playing sports, um, I always wanted to be the best. Right. And I, I, it got to an unhealthy obsession. And I actually talked about this in my book, The Wealthy Way. Um, People can get it on Amazon for 99 cents. But like one of the chapters I talked about how, you know, it got to the point where in in minor league baseball, right? Like you guys are all competing to get on the major league team, right? And so if there's all these second basemen in the system, I mean, I got to for me to win. They have to fail, right? Like that's the reality of the business. There's only one second baseman position. So I have to be so good and hope that They're not right. And it got to a really unhealthy obsession of like watching what those guys were doing every day and like, oh man, he did good crap, dude. That's not good for me. Oh, he did bad. Cool. That's good for me. And that's just not good. And so eventually I realized after I got out of sports, I was like, dude, that's kind of like what really hurt me was less like trying to see others fail and, like not just focusing on myself and the things I could control. Cause like at the end of the day, if I was back in that same situation today as a 33 year old, um, I would be like, Hey, I don't really care what anyone does. I'm just going to do me to the best of my abilities. And I want to be the best me knowing and that's how you actually beat everybody. Right. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's how I will rise to the top. 10%. you know, at the end of the day, even if I don't rise to the top, I'll know I maxed out my talent and I didn't, you know, need anyone else to fail for me to win and everything else. So, you know, when I got in the social media game and just even the business game, right? Like everybody's always comparing and competing and everything else, right? Like we have competitors, you know, for flipping houses. I don't root for anyone to fail. Like I don't, honestly, lots of flippers make way more money than I do here in Las Vegas flipping houses. I don't care. It's like, it's not the game I'm playing. The game I'm playing is my own game. That has my own rules, and I have my own goals, and none of my goals have anything to do with what anyone else does. And that's right? all time. So if I, like when you're playing
0: that game, like you're you're playing for all time. If somebody's making more money in a flip, yeah. it's like, cool, man. That's that's one layer. Like if that's baseball, right? Like that's Ricky Henderson being amazing at stealing bases. Kudos. But there's just so many more things to be great at on the field of play. Just like in entrepreneurship, it's like, you know, hey, Ryan, like we're making we're making more than you in flips. You're like, hey, man. Awesome. But like, if anybody's just going like apples to apples in one layer, it's like, man, you're missing it because there's just so many more lanes of,
1: of possibility, you know, to just be, to just be there. And, and, and we're only talking like on the business side. And this is why, like, I don't worry about anyone else. It's like, all right, dude, he's making more money. How's your family life? You know, what's your relationship like with your kids? How's your health? Right. Dude, trust me, if if you're fat and out of shape and you're making more money than me, I am not envying you at all. That's for certain, right? Like, I feel real good about myself. Dude, I got um, that
0: leads me to my question. This is an important one I've got. I'm curious about your thoughts. For the longest time, we've all heard this phrase, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And, like, it, man, it, it's got a good ring to it, and it's it's got a good buzz. I'm a fucking idiot, okay? So, like, I'm the one person on the planet that deep down inside... I don't get that one. I think it's a goal. I think it's ambitious like hey, you should be ambitious. You should be as ambitious enough to say hey, how I do one thing is how I want to do everything, right? Cuz my correlation in my dumb brain is how you do one thing is how you do everything. Okay, but then why do you got fat rich people and why do you have super shredded amazing looking lazy motherfuckers at business or terrible dads? Like <laughs> what do you mean how you do one thing is how, I don't I don't I don't think it's true. I think it's more of of a phrase of ambition. Like, hey, what do I do great? And then how can I be great at all things that I do, right? So if you're really great at making money, finding out what's making you that money and then, hey, how can you apply that same level of proficiency to your to your your health? And then losing that weight and getting, you know
1: what, you know what I mean? Like, do you have any
0: thoughts on that? Have you ever so heard? Because we've all I heard the, that, right? I have
1: the answer for you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and I have the answer for you. So um, that saying isn't, True, obviously. To right. your point, right? A, a saying that is true that I coined is that your purpose has to be greater than your cost. Okay, so I'll repeat it again: your purpose for doing something has to be greater than the cost of doing that thing. So when you look at any aspect of life, you know, people all the time they say, "Hey, I want to, I want to have a six pack," right? It, like I want to have a six pack too. I don't currently have a six pack right now, even though I'm in shape, right? Why don't I have a six pack? Well, what's the purpose for having a six pack? I can't think of a good one, right? Like I'm married. <laughs> I got kids. Good like, smile. Like it, you
0: like, got amazing hair. God won't yeah. even, God shouldn't even allow you to have a fucking six pack, Ryan, with that type of <laughs> smile and hair. Okay. Like it's just, it should be forbid. I think it's in Ezekiel <laughs> chapter yep, two.
1: It's, it's in Ezekiel six. Yeah. Six. That, the, but the point is like. <laughs> I I don't have a purpose for having a six pack. I would much rather, uh, and I know the cost of getting a six pack. Mm. I got to go do more cardio. I got to eat super clean. I can't drink. I got to just go hardcore. And I'm like, dude, I like sweets. I like having some drinks. I'm not going to do cardio because I like how I look fine right now, right? So that's why I don't have a six pack because my purpose does not exceed the cost of getting it, right? Now, when it comes to money, people do the same thing. They're like, dude, I want to go make six figures. I want to make a million dollars, right? Okay. Making six figures or making a million dollars has a cost associated with it in time, in risk, in resources, you know, in determination, discipline, there's a big cost associated with reaching one of those goals. And so the question you get to ask yourself is, well, what's the purpose behind making six figures? What's the purpose behind making seven figures? And if you cannot clearly identify, what your purpose is for doing it, when times get tough, you will not do it. And that's the simple fact of the reality. And it's also why, you know, when people say, well, you know, I I really want to be a better dad. I want to spend time with my family and, you know, uh, you know, all this other stuff, right? They're like, I, I, family is number one for me. I'd be like, okay. So do you know what it costs to be a good dad? Okay, it costs a lot of time. Like nobody's a good dad being absent. Right. You're going to have to go spend time with your kids. You're going to go have to sacrifice hours. You could have been working, making money. You're going to have to go and do things when you're tired. You're going to have to go and give your kids baths after a long day of work and go play with them out in the yard. Are you willing to do that? Because if you're not, then you're not willing to pay the cost because your purpose isn't strong enough. You don't truly want to be a better dad. You want to be you know, a good, and and basically you're going to end up defaulting to whatever your standard is, your minimum standard for your life. And so if your minimum standard is, Hey, I'm cool being this body fat, I'm cool making this much money. I'm cool being this level of a dad or a husband. That's what you will default to. So, you know, at the end of the day, whatever it is in life you're trying to do, you better understand what your purpose is and that better exceed whatever the cost is for the goal you're trying to reach.
0: I agree. And I think you're going to find that two different ways, right? Like you can brainstorm that and really dive into what Ryan just spoke about. Or, you know, sometimes it's the opposite, right? And Ryan, I talk about this a lot as well. And and we talk about people not changing until it's too painful not to, right? And like a lot of times Mm -hmm. when you're complacent to your purpose or lack thereof, you end up bringing enough pain into your life where you will absolutely do whatever it takes to change that course, it's it's unfortunate when you find it that way versus being ahead of the game and listening to podcasts and addressing your circle because if you want to be a great dad and you're not and you've got a good circle they'll call you out. A good circle, good people in your life, will politely help you but also call you out and not allow you to stake claim to things. You know that you're just not. And the father one is so interesting because you know, like being a father myself, right? Like, I feel like that's one that is so innate for me, like everything else I have to try at business being just slightly better than Ryan at baseball. Not really, (laughs) you know, like a lot of, a lot of effort, right? Like the father one, man, I feel like it's in me, man. I just feel like it's, it's biological. Like it's, it's literally natural sent from God. And like, We don't need to have a podcast on absent fathers. Like, I don't want to go there. There's a lot of circumstances. Some guys, it's not their, even their decision. I understand that too, right? So I'm not going to go there or attack anybody. I'm just speaking to like how I feel biologically, man. I'm just being a father. Like, does it come natural to you as well, bro? Like, does it, is that something that's just
1: your call to be a father? Yeah, look, I mean, I, I relate everything back to faith. And so when you look at purpose of doing, you know one individual act, uh, whether it's finance or fatherhood or husband and, and whatever, right? I think like there's there's these sub niche niches of life that you need to have like purpose for. but you know in terms of like the grand purpose of life, I do believe like as a Christian, you know we're all on this earth for a very limited amount of time, okay And the time that we're here on this earth compared to eternity, is extremely small it's like the bible says it is literally like mist it's there and it's gone and eternity is a very long time and so for me i just know my purpose with the talents and abilities that god has given me is to grow the kingdom here on earth and make it a better place for christians make it a better place for people who don't know christ yet and show them the truth and you know Basically, the Bible talks about how we're all given different talents and abilities, right? My talents are very different than Will's talents and Eli's talents. And so it's not my job to go reach the people that Will's going to reach. It's not my job to go reach the people that, you know, so-and-so is going to reach. But it is my job to use my talents to the best of my abilities. And so, like, for me, as my talents have become more apparent, because I didn't know about these talents even five years ago, right? Right. Like, I'm just kind of growing into understanding myself and my talents. It's like, all right, God gave me the ability to grow businesses and make money. Like, I understand how to do that. What am I going to do with the money? You know, what's the purpose of making more money? Well, can I go plant more churches? Can I go support more missionaries? Can I go give to all these things? Because I personally don't really need much more. I'm good. So, like, why would I make more money? And that's why a lot of people stop because they're like, dude, I'm good. I'm personally good. So I therefore don't need to go work as hard. Whereas That's the I'm start. Like, That's like yeah, the start I'm like, for you. Yeah, I'm good. But now I got these skills and talents and there's a lot of people who aren't good. And how do I help those people, right? And, you know, with the whole social media thing and influence and speaking and leadership, I'm like, dude, I would have never thought I would have been a guy who speaks on stages and like talks to a camera for a living. Dude, yeah. dude I'm introverted. I would have never thought that. And all of a sudden... It's something everyone wants me to do. Come on my podcast. Can I speak on stage? You know, whatever. And I'm like, this is crazy that people want me to do this. But here we are. And so how do I use this new talent that I have that I obviously didn't even want? And how do I utilize it the best thing for the kingdom? And so that's kind of like how I think about everything. And that's what fuels me to keep harnessing and growing and doing that. Because at the end of the day, if I, I don't do that, to me anyways, it's clear disobedience towards everything God has given me and done for me. And it's like, dude, if I just like, how selfish is it to just quit and yeah. chill and go like live on a, and do nothing like that? That to me is like the most selfish result you can have. So you'll, you'll never hear me talk about retirement or like a financial freedom number of like, you know, like what a lot of people strive for, because I think they're missing the point.
0: Yeah, and it seems like that's your starting point. I also feel like, not that I haven't already noticed this, but I just think, you know, everyone articulates a little different. Just hearing you articulate some things, it's like, man, having a purpose is so important too, not just to identify with why you're doing things. I think it also rids you from the distraction of competing against others. Like you said, hey, Will's going to attract who he's going to attract. I got to attract who I'm going to attract. That right there is a very teammate thing to say. Hey, Will's going to attract whoever he attracts. How can I help him attract more? How Mm -hmm. can I help him accomplish more than hey, I'm going to attract who I'm going to attract, and it just seems like it's very, it's very focus driven. Typically, when we think person, when we think purpose, it's from the just the individual side and certain things versus like, man, it also rids distraction. And I feel like if I'm ever looking at people too much or I'm a little skeptical of something, I start questioning like, hey, man, why do you have the time to even have a conversation with yourself about Joe Schmuckatelli? and why he's doing something or whether he's, you know, transparent, whether he's good or not, like, versus just being focused on your purpose. It just keeps you away from that distraction, away from competition outside of yourself. And ultimately, by staying competitive with yourself and fulfilling your purpose and your gifts, it indirectly gives to others, man.
1: Yeah, No 1,000%, man. Like, if I can support other believers in the entrepreneurial space. I mean, that's the space that God has put me in. I thought my space would be in athletics, right? Mm -hmm. And every time I talk about baseball, people just are like, I don't really care, dude. What do you have to say about business? (laughs) And I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, it it doesn't matter to me. I'll talk about whatever, right? As long as it brings people to Jesus. So that's kind of like my whole thing at this point is I'm down for whatever. (laughs) Like, seriously, like speaking on stage, going on camera, starting new businesses, uh, doing something I've never done. Freaking we'll go do some AI thing. I don't know. I'm down for whatever. I, I feel no like it's a,
0: I feel like it's an <laughs> uncle Rico moment, right? When he's like, I'll throw the ball over that mountain. And you're like, yeah, have you seen my, <laughs> have you seen my chapstick? I don't care about your football. Have you seen my chapstick? Like, and you, you know, you've kind of answered the question a little bit as well, Ryan, like, and I know we've got a little bit of time left and you got to get going, but, Typically, we kind of end the show on just like, hey, man, what's your mentality? How are you still approaching every day like it's day one dollar zero? But I think you've already indirectly answered that in a sense of, you know, your purpose in serving God through the exercise of your gifts is how you're still approaching it every single day. I think, you know, the more relevant question, I'm sure Eli might have one to close us out, but my last one for you would just be, man, current events, right? Like, obviously, everyone knows where they can find you on Instagram, on Facebook and all that good stuff. but." We know how the Wealthy Way is working for you. We know you're throwing a lot of events. You know, we've been speaking to you on just maybe some affiliate stuff and how we can work together. What's the number one, like, what are the biggest things you got going on right now? You know, and and what do those look like? And how can people find you at those? Or if people are seeking anything from you, like, how can they find you? Is there any bigger project you have right now that maybe we don't quite know about, but you're okay to speak to on the show um, to kind of forecast a little bit?
1: But what's, uh, what's new in Ryan's world? Yeah, dude. We're um, <laughs> always working on like new projects and different things. It's crazy how fast the team moves. Um, you know, we got our event WealthCon here uh, April 4th to the 6th. So I'm always excited for those. there will probably be around, I don't know, a thousand people yeah. um, from all over the country. It's going to be amazing. Um, you know, one thing I am really excited, I mean, we just launched Panada Media where we're helping entrepreneurs um, do all of their social media content for them. So we're literally just, taking guys like you and, you know, we built out studios and coaching coaches and other things to help you, like you guys film while you're filming, coach them up, help them get better hooks, all those things. Then we edit and produce all their content for them and everything. So like that, those were just launched. Um, The one I'm most excited about, and I mean, I've already alluded to it with faith, but um, we have something coming out called Wealthy Kingdom, which is probably going to be released in May, like May one. And that's like my passion at this point. You know, I've, I've got these other coaching programs that help people make money in lots of different ways, right? Real estate investing, content creation, whatever. Um, The wealthy kingdom is a spot to bring together all the Christian entrepreneurs nationwide. And it's super cheap. It's not like my other stuff that's pretty expensive And um, like my vision is to just create this community of Christian entrepreneurs, because I believe if you can go get the entrepreneurs doing the right things, they can impact the masses in their communities very quickly. I mean, they're the leaders of their local communities and their local churches. And, you know, they're typically making good money. They're typically employing people. And so they can have a massive impact if they're changed. And so Um, My vision is to help those guys see the world that I see and help them see the power and the influence and the abilities that they have that can make a drastic impact. So that's probably the one I'm most excited about. Um, But yeah, for anyone who's interested in what I'm doing, uh, if you just go to uh, wealthyway.com, you can go get like all of our free stuff. You can get my free courses. You can go take a quiz. We just launched... to help you figure out where you're kind of like lacking and where you're strong at in life. Um, We got an app that's completely free to help you with your morning routine and a planner and, and all this stuff. So there's a lot of resources,
0: dude. That's awesome. 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 I feel like Eli would be great for that. Eli is a just born entrepreneur and he's got, he's like, I've never met a guy that knows more about the Bible than Eli. No. no. You're literally named Just, after the book of Eli. <laughs> There's no <laughs> book of Eli. <laughs> what? That's awesome. Denzel <laughs> yeah. yeah, was, Washington. Oh, the movie. Yes, yes, yeah, there is. Come on. Yeah, there is a movie, the book of Washington. Denzel is yeah, a, a, <laughs> a little later book. than the Bible. <laughs> oh, <laughs> by it, maybe. That's arguable. But Ryan, man, we appreciate you having yeah. on, bro. I know we went over a couple of minutes, but um, I'm actually chatting with your partner. Is it Jonathan. <clears throat> I think I'm, I'm, uh, I'm chatting with him later on this afternoon, the gentleman, um, the okay. super yeah. good-looking bearded guy from your oh, office. Oh, Brian. Brian, yeah, Brian, that's his name. Uh, I'm chatting with him later on this afternoon, but, man, we just anything we can do in the future, it'd be super fun. But most importantly, appreciate you being on. Um, anybody that's listening, if you guys can track Ryan down, ask him questions, give him a follow one of the best guys to watch he's super out there super big but man he still has a way to deliver deliver the practitioner side of everything that you guys are trying to accomplish which is what's i think most tangible for entrepreneurs and we super appreciate it man we'll give an exit song out here man with the same uh the same hick hop and then um we'll get you out of here brother